You're listening to 91.7 FM, WSUW, in Whitewater, Wisconsin. You're listening to Rashkin Report. This is Yuri Rashkin, and you're listening to Rashkin Report. My guest today is Mikhail Yosel, a professor of Concordia University, and uh, he's speaking with us from Montreal, Canada. Uh, professor Yosel, welcome to the program. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Yuri. You have uh, you, you were born and raised and uh, spent first uh, 30 years of your life in former Soviet Union, which was very much real Soviet Union at the time. Uh, since then, uh, you know, you've seen different things, and uh, uh, how? What, what is your view of um, what is going on in American politics with this kind of a Russian perspective, perhaps, of having seen all of this before in some different way? Well, you know, Russia is a cautionary tale for every society in the world, and it has perf been performing this function for quite a while now, for the whole last century, for instance. Uh, this Russia basically is just looming there on the horizon as a sign, don't go there. Don't go there, not literally, no, go there. It's a beautiful country, with the, and you'll have lots of fun, but don't go there as a society. Um, so um, U.S. president, American president uh, uh, Donald Trump is, is an admirer of Vladimir Putin's. He likes strongmen, he likes dictators, he is... At heart, he is a dictator. He's a tyrant. Uh, he's hamstrung by the American political system, and that probably saddens him and infuriates him. On, he probably expected much greater degree of uh, lassitude, uh, but uh, um, but that clearly is the direction in which he would have taken country the country um, had there not not been like sort of like uh, limits. Uh, upon his uh, freedom of uh, action, uh, just uh, just limiting his ability to move American society in that particular direction, but uh, um, but uh, but there are warning signs, of course. Uh, um, mainly, I would say, uh, in terms of the uh, absolutely unprecedented, relentless, and ceaseless. Uh, avalanche of lies um, uh, just just snowing under the whole American society that it, there are so many um, inconsistencies uh, incorrect statements outright lies bizarre bizarre acts just just everything that uh, that you cannot really just get from under that uh, avalanche and uh, and that reminds me of how people used to live in the Soviet Union. Nobody believed in communist ideology in, you know, at least in post-Stalin Russia. Not after Khrushchev's, uh, you know, opening up to the West. Not after data. Uh, just hardcore 
old Bolsheviks probably still believe, but nobody believed in that. No, but it's, it uh, seems to me that uh, Russian people tend to be more uh, full of sarcasm, um, and uh, American people tend to be Americans tend to be a little more straightforward. And that I don't know what it is. Do you feel uh, that Americans may be more susceptible to this kind of uh, manipulation? Uh, that we're, you know, that because Russian involvement was, uh, they were involved in not just American elections, but other countries, several other countries as well. And and yet this is the one where it seems to have worked so fantastically well. Yeah, because uh, at some, uh, Putin went shopping for, 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 um, for a spot of weakness in American society, for, for an opening. Um, for the soft underbelly of American society, and he found it uh, among among um, people around Trump and basically people of Trump ilk. Uh, it's uh, avarice. Uh, the business of America is business, and if you're making money off of something, that that's patriotism, and that trumps any ephemeral notions of love for the country and all of that kind of stuff. A B. Um, uh, majority of Americans have started taking democracy for granted as something that's existed forever and will continue to exist forever. But democracies can fall and they can fail. Um, and it has happened in history, as we know, and it might very well happen here as well. We remember that Sinclair Lewis novel, right? It can't happen here. Um, uh, it can happen here. Um, it can happen here given like... Uh, oops. Can you see me still? Yes. There's a little more light now, but yeah, I can because, still see you, yes. Yeah, because you suddenly like sort of like shrunk in size like tenfold. That's I'm <laughs> comfortable with that. Uh, yeah, yeah. So 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 um so people people also were unhappy with the, the the political system no longer was receptive to them and the, and the people were not entirely people were unhappy and so that confluence of um, negative factors uh putin did not quite have an first off he probably and almost certainly did not expect that trump would actually win the original purpose of that exercise multi-pronged cyber attack on America uh, was just to cause as much um, heartburn to uh, Hillary Clinton and uh, start her off on a sour note as president. Uh, and essentially, he went uh, tooth and nail, uh, he, basically, from the stupidest uh, Facebook ads uh, or Twitter ads to fairly sophisticated uh, trolling, uh, to outright collusion with, uh, and I'm, I'm saying this so confidently because I'm absolutely confident this will be proven, and that actually is kind of clear already by now in the case of people like Manafort, who um, was sort of like took the job of campaign manager so as to get whole in his uh, words right. with the Russian uh, billionaire Oleg Deripaska, right, whom he owned money. Uh, he just wanted to monetize that position and essentially sold uh, Trump's campaign to just uh, all lent it uh, to Russians. Oleg Deripaska is one of the closest people to Putin among the oligarchs. Actually, you know, it's, it's interesting um, because there's uh, a video of uh, uh, there's a viral video that people sometimes will share, especially on the right wing um, of things when they will um, 
well, doesn't matter. Uh, they will post a video where there's a Putin who is speaking very harshly at an oligarch about, I believe, closing a factory or something. He says, you have to reopen this factory, yeah. and the factory is reopened. And that is actually Oleg Deribaska yeah, yeah. in that video that is being spoken down to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember that. It's, it's, it's you know, just it's, it's ham-handed even by Russian standards. In the end, he says, well, give me back my pen, right? Right. Both are multi-billionaires. <laughs> both are, both are constantly in touch. Uh, Deripaska is married into Yeltsin family, and uh, uh, and uh, uh, yeah, and and, and uh, Putin also, you know, uh, emerged from the bottom of the of the Black Sea with the ancient Greek urns, also that he found during the fifteen minute dive. You but know, he brought the government. Uh, yeah, public, he, he, go ahead. Russian public. Russian public is gullible. Uh, because the majority of, of uh, majority of uh, sophisticated people, more or less people with uh, any degree of discernment, don't watch uh, so Russian television. It is watched by majority of people through all the time zones, but mainly less educated people. And it also is watched, of course, in uh, in the United States of America in Brooklyn. And uh, the Russian community. All right, um, uh, Mikhail, I'm going to have to ask you to clarify because I'm now not clear. Because at first uh, I thought we were, we were saying that uh, Russian people have, you know, managed to get through Soviet Union times by not believing the official propaganda and seeing all through it. And here we're saying that Russian, uh, or you're saying that the Russian public is gullible because they swallowed that Putin emerged from the Black Sea with ancient vases in his hand that he has just discovered. You know, which is it? Well, um, I would suggest that, the, that, the, that Russia and Putin's Russia are not synonymous. Okay. I would suggest that Soviet people and Russian people are not synonymous. Okay. Uh, really? So Soviet people and Russian people are not? It's a different homo Sovieticus and homo... People, I don't know. People, people, people depend on the conditions of their existence. People are not fixated... Uh, just are not forever stuck in one uh, spot on the horizontal axis of their life. They can get better than themselves. They can get worse than themselves. They can get smarter and stupider than themselves, depending on the uh, we're social creatures. And uh, Putin has been in power now same number of years as Leonid Brezhnev. <clears throat> and of course, he will overtake Brezhnev <clears throat> in that regard. And his relentless effort has been uh, geared towards precisely just just this massive brainwashing, and uh, as uh, in just and 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 relentless relentless um, repetition of several uh, fairly simple posits: people are bad people. Uh, there are no decent and honest people in politics anywhere. Yes, there are thieves in power in Russia. But there are thieves in power in America and everywhere else in the world. And if someone will tell you that one is acting out of some kind of pure motive, disconnected from one's, you know, financial interests, don't believe that person. People are not like that. So then, so, so then, could it be so that, that the one difference between Homo Sovieticus and, and Homo uh, Russian Federationists is uh, uh, capitalism and that little bit of virus of private property and and so on? 
back back in the Soviet Union, we looked at all this in the dark. We, let's say, underground literary club that was in the Mansard, actually, of a, um, of a condemned building in downtown Leningrad, and we would look at... Um, and all these uh, dots, brightly lit dots of windows and uh, endless um, in the sea of darkness. And in the Soviet Union, uh, we were citizens of the Soviet Union. We belonged to that country and to that culture and to that language. And we knew everything there was to know about that country and the people who lived in that country. But we had no idea what they had in their heads. Uh, not because, you, because they didn't know themselves. And so it was a it was a very uh, distant hypothetical how what would they want to be and how would they want to live uh, when there would be no you know uh, Soviet Communist Party rule and uh, headed by the Soviet Politburo when Russia quote unquote become a normal country as it were or the kind of country where you can live at least where you just the country you can live you can live in that country. Um, Putin. Uh, so, so in the in, in there was relentless pressure uh, on people to comply with several very simple rules. You can believe whatever you want to believe in the privacy of your home or with friends and so forth, but in public you cannot do that. You'll get in massive trouble. So, um, so people had to had to constantly repeat in public um, uh, lies and applaud to. Uh, pronouncements of lies and to stand up to, on their feet and, and applaud to certain things. But they didn't believe that in the least because, of course, they saw what was happening around them. And what was happening around them was just basically that things were getting worse and worse and worse. And, you know, just uh, in the dollar side of, uh, of, uh, of a Soviet uh, uh, food store, you know, um, uh, anywhere outside of Moscow or Leningrad, but even in Moscow and Leningrad, um, where the governing word was deficit, eh? deficit, uh, just something that cannot be easily obtained. And that was everything, with the exception of some just very basic items and unlimited choice of vodka and, and, and poisonous toxic wine, which wasn't really wine, it was intoxicant. And, um, and so uh, people lived uh, in this deadening atmosphere of constant lies with which they had to comply, but in the privacy of their homes, they had an outlet. They could talk to their friends, they could talk to their wives at night. Uh, the intelligentsia uh, folks uh, late at night would try to listen to the um, quote-unquote enemy radio voices, right? The only three that were kind of available uh, in the Soviet Union were the BBC, the Voice of America, and the Deutsche Welle, the German wave. You couldn't really listen to that uh, even at night I, I actually um, remember there was also a thing uh, from uh, a station broadcasting from Israel, and I remember there was a Radio Vatican that was uh, available. Yeah. Uh, I, I once remember hearing yeah. a program as a young child, so bad my upbringing was, about uh, pro yeah. as a proof of God why there is uh, God, according to Radio Vatican, is yeah. imagine giraffe. How can it breathe if there was no yeah. God? <laughs> it's like, okay. Right. Well, actually, it's a good question. <laughs> no, uh, no, you put that thought in my head. There you go. So, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, nobody listened to. I mean, in in large numbers, the radio right. people just wanted to know what's happening in their own country. 
um, from abroad because they wouldn't they they knew that they of course you know that nothing that was printed in newspapers with the exception of weather report and sports results was true they knew that and uh, nothing was so so people wanted to to know people were in the absence of the internet right or any other independent sources of information and fully hermetic sealed off kind of nature of uh, Russian Soviet society where absolute majority of people have never seen anyone who has ever seen a foreigner with the exception of Moscow again and Leningrad primarily but even there and so um, and so but you couldn't listen at night because KGB would be jamming the the, the short wave uh, radio signals and the, the with cynical kind of some tremendous like howling and just uh, like 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 wounded wolves in in a blizzard at night. I, I will you actually, know? you so, know, I, it, I will develop on that because uh, just for those that are curious how that process works, there were uh, special units that were set up through large cities that were blocking signal to the extent that they could, resulting in the effect Mikhail describes. And uh, some of the things that uh, were able to be heard better, including the actually story from Radio Vatican, was when I was uh, when we were. Uh, outside of city limits uh, in the summer, and the reception there was better because there was no jamming unit nearby. Oh, absolutely! People, uh, the moment people would reach their summer houses, then yeah, on on a starlit night, far away from big city, of course, you can listen there, but you will have to get there, and right. uh, and not everyone had summer houses uh, in it's sufficiently far removed from big cities, and um, and yeah, so so people. People were cynical to absolutely just extreme, and uh, they you you constantly lived with a sense that you are you know just living under the pressure of lies, and that formed you just uh, that deformed you in some ways. It was deadening at was just like it it makes you go dead inside, and so that was Soviet people, but but Russian people uh, got tremendously frightened, scared, and and traumatized by the 90s, unbridled capitalism. At first, they expected uh, those American economists to make life very, Jeffrey Sachs and others, um, to make life as quickly as possible, as good as as it is in the West, as it is in the United States. That was not happening. Absolute majority of people, as a result of that monetary reform, lost their lifetime savings overnight. Um, and suddenly people were genuinely poor. In the Soviet Union, there were no people who would die of starvation or, you know, it was basically a combination of boot camp and, and kindergarten, Soviet Union. People were taken care of. Even in jail, they feed you. You don't starve to death in jail. But um, uh, but uh, but there, suddenly people were left to their own devices and they were completely unprepared. They were they were they were grown in society. They were raised in a society that absolutely did not uh, prepare them uh, to uh, fending for themselves. And and they got, with the exception of several younger people, young people full of energy, uh, managed to find their way. And some of them became fabulously rich because basically, essentially, the whole country became one free-for-all kind of, you know, real estate market and, and, and everything. Uh, the country lay in ruins. But people over the age of 30, 40, 50, they lost everything and they were profoundly scared. Crime was through the roof. Um, uh, Russia was not only not turning into the United States, but if Soviet stores were kind of empty, but they were kind of empty, to the, not to the extent that people would starve, but, but Russian stores in the early 90s uh, actually 
were of the kind where there was absolutely nothing and you could actually starve to death. And people did. And so people immediately associated that with the hateful word democracy. And that's how Putin came to power eventually. He was, of course, uh, you know, appointed by uh, his, uh, you know, um, protege by uh, by Yeltsin. Uh, and he started off at a very low point. But then he, yes, uh, several things happened. There was explosions of uh, apartment buildings in Moscow and elsewhere and so forth. So his, then that gave him a, re, a pretext for starting Second Chechen War and so forth. His popularity went through the roof and the rest is history. But... Um, First, uh, Yeltsin uh, uh, did not um, persecute journalists, and uh, he was obviously not criticized and vilified. He was mocked relentlessly, but he did not move against uh, free press. Uh, that, of course, was the first thing that Putin did, um, uh, and TV and so forth. Um, um, and so, so he limited people's ability to publicly criticize him. But he opened the country up. You could leave. You don't like it, just leave. Go wherever. Israel, United States, wherever you think you are, you are expected. Um, and so, uh, and 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 the rest of uh, and and also, with the exception of Putin and several people are, and his immediate kind of nature of his regime, you could write about anything and everything, and nobody would go to jail for criticizing Putin. Basically, you could just you know get in trouble of a different kind of job. You could just get now, now, at this point, is Russia, Russia is in transition to freedom, it is a state, and you can get um, uh, in jail for innocuous joke uh, on Facebook and or unfortunate turn of phrase on Twitter and so forth. Now it's a fully totalitarian society for a variety of reasons that are too long to go into. But, um, uh, but Russian people, uh, they suddenly they were free to choose what to like and what not to like. And the majority of them loathed the idea of democracy because it associated in their minds with the, the sheer emptiness of food stores and starvation and loss of everything they ever had, including money that they expected their children would spend on their burial. And so, so it, was, it, was, um, it was a profound psychological shock. And... Um, and so uh, Russian people <clears throat> uh, came into Putin's possession, um, <clears throat> as it were, as a society already strongly predisposed against the idea of democracy. In the Soviet Union, w- since no one knew what really the West was like, there was this idea that the West was paradise. El Dorado, all um, streets paved with gold. We didn't know. We just didn't know. But we, we kind of knew that whatever Soviet Union was not, America was. And, and the whole world that was not Soviet Union was America. And so, um, <clears throat> but, but when it turned out that Russia was opened up to the West, that the West was that kind of the West was not in any hurry to embrace Russia. It turned out, uh, Russians thought, for whatever reason, that former Soviet people would be greeted as you know as as though they were released from from concentration camp or something like that. Nothing, none of that happened. But they experienced tremendous trauma, and um, and they they were very um, antagonized against uh, the very notion of uh, free society, uh, and and that's how Putin got them. And uh, um, and so, and then he was, very simply he um, 
when 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 oil started going through the roof in 2003 2004 right he entered in a very simple contact with the russian populace we discussed that before i think and but it was it was very straightforward and very simple safety democracy freedom safety. Uh, democracy, freedom, all that, it's just Western stuff that they say because it needs to be said. That's what they pretend they believe in. And that's what we say because we want to be on the good on good terms with them. But really, it's, it's just, it's BS. Um, so leave it to us to deal with politics. Okay, we'll deal with the West. We'll deal with politics. We'll, we'll, on the other hand, we in turn can guarantee that your living standards will be at least going at least you know just uh, multiply by a factor of two every year and uh people said sure of course and that's how it worked until the year 2008 when of that that compact no longer held when putin could not hold up his end of the bargain so that compact had to be reformatted and that was a much less appealing format is to say yes we'll have to um undergo a certain amount of um hardship and you will live worse and as a matter of fact but we will be russia we will be this forepost of morality and uh, um and uh, and decency and tradition against the raging sea of decadence and immorality and uh, whatever you know, which represents the west and the west wants uh, to conquer us why they want our oil why they want our territory nonsense but that's what people kind of believed and so that question that we were asking um, sort of like what would it be like when people no longer were under the pressure of a communist party in the soviet union was answered people basically um wanted soviet union with a with a in on a more livable um uh, kind of uh, footing um, is that is that socialism i don't think it's no i think they 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 wanted to be taken care of um and they were willing to put up with uh, um with a lack of choice uh some more some more chinese version i guess it. yeah without the economic growth <laughs> right and so um not good so um um yeah um look it took it took 70 years for the several generations of russians uh, and tens of millions of people uh perished as a result of that regime in the soviet union um uh, fear and uh, and cynicism and uh, is bred in the bone in many ways it will take at least as long to unscrew the country somehow to set it right more or less to rid it of this crippling subconscious fear um so uh, people wanted to go back to the same but to live better and that coincidentally was exact same thing that actually the former KGB people like Putin wanted they wanted GDR essentially they wanted good beer G- gdr would be a german democratic it. republic i'm trying to think is is germany right okay um i will remind yeah. our listeners that you're listening to wsu w91.7 fm the edge in whitewater wisconsin and uh, this is rashkin report i'm your host yuri rashkin my guest today is a writer and a professor at concordia university mikhail yosol who is joining us from montreal um Professor I you know we're kind of bouncing this uh you know Russian American 
point of view here on this program, and I think you kind of personalize it perfectly. What are your thoughts on the fact that Kaspersky software that was supposed to be all this security that everybody was going to be using turned out to be uh, kind of a you know pinata full of Kremlin candy uh, <laughs> to kind of mix all sorts of metaphors? You cannot be a billionaire in Russia and not be completely, um, you know, owned in a way by Putin. You cannot develop software that theoretically can get access to every computer in the West and not be used by the FSB. It's as simple as that. It's not, not much more complicated than that. There is absolutely no doubt in my mind that, of course, Kaspersky was used for the purposes of collecting information about Americans. And everywhere else was was used. He's a very bright person, obviously, but he lives in Russia. If he wanted to be truly independent, he would not be living in Russia. He would be living someplace else. But you live in an authoritarian society where your freedom to be a billionaire can be abrogated in a matter of minutes. You can be thrown in jail. It's happened by the way, and it keeps happening with various billionaires uh, because other billionaires closer to Putin want part of those billionaires' billions. So it simply is not, it beggars any kind of credulity to think that uh, somebody could be developing intrusive necessarily in order to protect a uh, computer you need to become intrusive uh, to collect information collect data from from that particular computer uh, and not be used by uh, by the russian intelligence it's just simply it just doesn't compute you know for, for me as so being that, a former resident of soviet union uh, that was always something that uh, you know i saw kaspersky i thought well why would i want to do that to myself that that just seemed like exposing yourself just on, on the face of it uh, but uh, I, I guess you know. well, many many things are being many things. That's one of the things that I was suggesting that Putin um, had hoped uh, he would benefit from massively from Trump's election, uh, but in the end, he had lost out, and uh, and and the, and 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 sort of like the, the demerits of Trump of his involvement in the American election, this massive meddling. Um, will be reverberating throughout Russia and throughout his rule for a long time to come. Because, among other things, uh, the notion of Russia as a, well, slightly quirky and perhaps slightly authoritarian, but deep down basically more or less, quote-unquote, normal um, society, Western-oriented, that is gone. And so Kaspersky could be trusted by implication because after all we are all civilized people and we are all kind of share we all share western values no we don't kaspersky personally probably is a thoroughly western person but he's a billionaire living in russia why is he living in russia by the way if you are multi-billionaire you can live anywhere in the world why do you run your operations out of moscow um so yeah to americans it was not quite clear uh obviously but now it is that nothing, nothing, uh, nothing computer related, nothing technology related, nothing cyber related coming from Russia can be a good thing. Well, and then because know. Russia, because Russia is not a quote unquote free society, it's a, it's an authoritarian society, uh, grading very strongly right now into totalitarian area. 
Uh, Mikhail, in conclusion, you're very much a social media user. You're uh, kind of basically a blog on Facebook. You post your thoughts there. Uh, and Russia was so, now we know more and more and more seemingly every day, involved in uh, uh, using Facebook to affect the elections. Um, it seems uh, Facebook founder uh, has came out and spoke strongly that uh, Mr. Zuckerberg said that this is not how he wants uh you know they're the company to go forward and they're scrubbing all of their files which of course creates its own problems because those are actually archives that uh, people were using but nonetheless um was it just a bad gamble on their part and what is your feeling of social media after after this experience well as i would suggest that uh, this is not the first time that the technological progress um created by people uh, far outpaces people's ability to deal with it Uh, and uh, people will be dealing with the problem very soon also, and they're being warned by people like Elon Musk, for instance, that people are not prepared to deal with artificial intelligence, for instance. People were not prepared to deal with a complete boundless freedom of uh, social networks, uh, crossing any boundaries, connecting people anywhere, everywhere, somehow without any limitations. But at the bottom of it, uh, Facebook despite the idealistic outlook and just penchant for wearing cheap T-shirts, uh, Mark, uh, Mark Zuckerberg, he's a, he's a billionaire who and, and, and uh, the CEO of a corporation that, um, whose purpose is to make money for its shareholders, uh, to make as much money as possible. And that's his primary goal of a corporation, not to bring people together not to, uh, you know, serve uh, the cause of, uh, you know, world peace. No. Primary purpose of a massive multi-billion dollar corporation like Facebook is to make money. And same about Twitter. So they fought, fought, um, resisted rather rather ferociously, tooth and nail, uh, any kinds of limitations um, imposed by the Congress, or proposed by Congress, by Congress on uh, um, on the transparency of their of the you know political ads that they were placed that are placed on Facebook, because for them, their of course their primary um, uh, sort of like um, goal is uh, the the. the is is to to maintain the impression of um, privacy for people. People need to know that they are protected. Their identities are protected when they want them protected. They need to know that if they 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 want some just submitted something under a different name, that that name their real name will not be revealed to you know investigation committee. Uh, somewhere in other words you know they they thought on the surface of it they were, they were fighting against the pervasiveness of the big brother as it were which is government uh but in reality they were just absolutely trying uh, just to uh, to preserve the stock and trade which is ability to keep people's information private uh to uh, for the government, not private to advertisers. As we are, know. you any less likely well, to use Facebook now? No, although I, I hold much, uh, but simply for lack of alternative, and also because I use it mainly as my personal diary of sorts, which is also just I make public, and I also use it for um, sort of like sort of publishing short short stories and seeing how they look and 
sort of published way. So I essentially use it as my, uh, you know, journal slash, you know, draft, uh, you know, uh, board or whatever it is. Um, no, um, not at this point. But I certainly have absolutely no idealistic notions as to Mark Zuckerberg, who it's, it seemed at one point several months ago, just several months ago, was going to explore the possibility of running for Senate or the president. That is gone because he was exposed as a basically unprinciped mega capitalist, uh, just uh, as, a, as, a, as a corporate shark. Which is really weird uh, because who, there was seemingly a whole movie about him that kind of stated that as well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But yet, well, surprise yeah. again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so um, uh, yes, and uh, and anyone who wanted to exploit that system of social networks, Facebook and Twitter primarily, but not only, um, could do so in the most primitive ways or in sophisticated ways, in ways so sophisticated that that could not be done, let's say, by Russians without American participation, without people helping target those ads, without rephrasing uh, their Russian English into like idiomatic English text um, without targeting certain not only states like Wisconsin, uh, but certain areas in Wisconsin and Michigan and Pennsylvania. And then Trump was told by Manafort, for instance, that he needs to go urgently three days before the election to, um, uh, you know, uh, campaign in, in Michigan, which had been written off by Trump campaign, the large Muslim population, largest in, in the United States, and uh, with, with, the, with the absolute the kind of torrent of anti-Muslim um, ads. Um, so uh, there was collusion. But there were also people, Facebook people, um, uh, kindly offering their assistance uh, in Trump campaign's offices and, and, and this uh, Cambridge Analytics ca- campaign, right, that worked, the Mercer campaign that worked for um, for Trump campaign. Um, uh, there were people, uh, Facebook people, providing direct assistance to the offices, and, and the Trump campaign made sure that they were sympathetic to Trump because they didn't want, obviously, people who would be, like, gathering information about them. So... Um, Capitalism, the business of America is business, and whatever it brings profit, it cannot be unpatriotic. Well, actually, it can be. So that's that's kind of slightly disheartening, and their image has been tarnished for 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 many years to come, I would say. And um, and uh, and that was just one piece in the puzzle, which all will be probably everything will come to light within a year or two uh, or hardly more than a year. And then we will all be shocked. I think, uh, absolutely staggered by what happened in 2016. Professor Yossov, Professor Concordia Yossel. university. Thank you so much for being on our program once again. And, uh, uh, let's, let's see what happens next. Thank you. Thank you. Yuri. Thank you. You're listening to 91.7 FM. WSUW in Whitewater, Wisconsin. You're listening to Rashkin Report.